Welcome to the Pearl Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this message blesses you in a way that is inspiring, encouraging, and transformational. For more information about our church, please go to thepearlchurch.org. We hope you enjoy this message. We've been in a series called Abide, and this morning we're going to kind of shift a little bit, but we've been talking about how when we abide in God, there's something, there's an anchor that is inside of us that carries us through the storm. Well, this morning, um, God's kind of put something on my heart, and uh, today's uh, message is entitled Against the Odds, Against the Odds, My Faith Position. And uh, last week, I heard that Pastor Elliot rocked it. Um, It was a powerful word. And uh, this morning, uh, Doug asked me to share uh, this week as he was going to be supporting another pastor in our city. And how many know we're not just in this by ourselves. We're in this to reach our city. We pray for every church in our city. We're not in competition with every church in our city. We are together linked arm in arms. And so even though Pastor Doug isn't here physically uh, this morning, he is here in heart and spirit as he is supporting another church in our city. Uh, But last week, it was so funny, before I even realized that this morning I was going to be bringing the word, uh, we were actually on a plane. I'm headed to uh, Eastern Oregon, uh, where Doug and I uh, ministered to some uh, church planners there. And it was so interesting. I, I get on the plane. One of my favorite things to do on the plane is just to read. And because no one can call me, nobody, like, I, you're just put your earbuds in and you just pray to God you don't have Chatty Kathy next to you. But I did not. And I just put my earbuds in and I was just literally reading, not thinking about anything. And in the moment, God spoke to me and I feel like he's prepared my heart and he knew already in advance that this morning this church would need to hear this word. This word is for you this morning. And God began to speak to you. I want you to turn your Bibles to Romans 4. This year, God gave me a word about miracles. And I have been praying for miracles. I've been praying for personal miracles, corporate miracles, miracles in our city, as a church, as a team, as a family, as an individual. But you know, when there is miracles needed, there's also faith needed. And so God has stirred my heart. This last nine days has been God stirring my heart to where is my faith positioned? What is my faith position? And uh, Romans 4, here's where I kind of jumped into the word. I want you to read along. Uh, Against the odds, everybody say that, against the odds. Maybe this morning some of you have some odds that are against you. This morning is for you. Against the odds, Abraham's hope grew into full-fledged faith that he would turn out to be the father of many nations, just as God had promised when he said, that's how many your descendants will be. See, Abraham was a man in the Bible, and God said, your descendants will be as many as the, the grains of sand. There, it, there would be no like endless count. You couldn't even count how many descendants you would have. But guess what? He did not have a child. So, so God is promising this word to someone who did not have a natural child. And here's what happened. It says in verse 19, his faith did not fail, although he was well aware that his impotent body after nearly 100 years was as good as dead and that Sarah's womb too was dead. Another translation says he and Sarah were incapable of conceiving a child. That word, incapable, is there a situation right now in your life that you don't see how it can come around? It's it's incapable of happening but God. Verse 20, in spite of all this, his faith in God's promise did not falter. In fact, his faith grew as he gave glory to God because he was supremely confident that God could deliver on his promise. 
This is why you see God saw his faith and counted him as righteous. This is how he became right with God. The story of faith was created to Abraham. It was not recorded for him and for him alone. I love how it ends this passage this way, but it was written for all of us. So God put it in the word, put it in scripture forever and ever. Tells this story, why? For all of us who would one day be credited for having faith in God. See, Abraham was the father of faith. So there's something about faith that we can learn from him. So we can have credit for having faith in God, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the realm of death. He was delivered over to death for our trespasses and raised so that we might be made right with God. Father, we just pray right now, as your word hits our heart, God, that it would be beyond my words or my exhortation or my encouragement, God, but that you would do your work this morning. God, we invite the Holy Spirit in this place. Have your way. Speak to hearts, God, where there's discouragement, where there's people that are in the midst of an impossible situation. Today, God, I pray, Jesus, that your Holy Spirit, that your Holy Spirit would speak your word, God, we thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I was talking to uh, one of my mentors um, this week and just talking about faith and kind of communicating some things that were going on. Um, I know that we've had some uh, faith journeys this last couple months, even praying for individuals in our church that were fighting for their lives, and we've been standing in faith. There's some things that Doug and I are contending for and standing in faith for. And I said to you know this mentor of mine, I said, sometimes... It's hard to know how to um, be in faith, but yet, like, you know, God's will. And sometimes things don't turn out exactly how I think they're going to turn out. So I'm believing for something and something totally different happens. And sometimes as Christian, that's where the crux of our faith is, right? Where you're, like, wondering why. Now, why did that turn out this way? And, you know, she said to me something that I'll never forget, and I feel like God just put this on me as a mantle in this season. What is my position? Here's my position. I'm going to make a stand of faith. I'm going to stand in faith, but I'm going to surrender on my knees. So at the same moment as I am declaring in faith God's promises over our lives, over our church, over individuals that I'm praying for, I'm also going to surrender, just like Jesus did when he was on the cross, and he said, not my will, but yours be done. You know, it would have been easier for Jesus to just have gone on living and not done that, but he said in that moment, even Jesus had to face that crux, like, okay, God, there's something that is beyond what I can see in this moment, not my will. Jesus had a will. He desired to live. He said, not my will, but yours be done. Today, God wants to move our faith position to taking a stand, but also surrendering on our knees. This passage illustrates that a lot because you think about Abraham and it talks about him being 100 years old and he is still believing for a son. That's, he is in a waiting season. How many love to wait? Just wave at me. Okay, not one hand, definitely not me. I don't like to wait for anything. In fact, I think one of the things in our society that has happened because we are so used to a lot of fast things, whether it's the internet, I mean, I'll be so frustrated if it takes like five, four, three, two, one to get an answer, right? But you know, 20 years ago, when I was 25 years ago, when I was in college, this is just unbelievable. But when I needed information for a paper I was writing, you know what I had to do? I had to drive to a library. 
Do we even know what libraries are? Yes, some people do. But um, I had to drive to a library. I had to figure out where in the world I needed to get that in the Dewey Decimal or whatever it was where I had to figure out where, I can't even remember. Is that what it's called? The Dewey something? And you had to go find what area and then you had to like look through all the titles and you were like praying to God that you could find the information. Now it's like, and we're like, really? Real, the internet is so slow. Like, honestly, that took like a full five seconds for me to get the answer to what I was looking for. What in the world? And you know what I think is as Christian, this begins to seep into our faith realm. And we become wimpy Christians where we're like, really, God? That took like 24 hours. Like, really? That took two years. But yet you look at Abraham, who is at 100 years old and still waiting to have a son. And God had a promise for him, but he had to wait. So what is our position in the waiting? Do you want to be like Abraham that stood in faith? And not only stood in faith, but his faith grew, it says in the word. His faith grew in the waiting. Or do you want to be a discouraged Christian? Because discouraged Christians do not give glory to God. They give glory to their circumstances. They give glory to the enemy who has beaten them down but ones that put their faith and their hope in God and say, despite all odds, against all odds, I am standing in faith at the promises of God. That's the kind of faith that's gonna change this city. That's the kind of faith that's gonna change this world. Number one, hope is the seed that grows into faith. You know, it says in verse 18 of Romans 4, it says, against the odds, Abraham's hope grew into full-fledged faith. I can say that. So you know what I was thinking about this is that hope is really the seed that grows. And you know, maybe some of you are like, I don't really have faith, I'm struggling with my faith, or I, maybe you're a new Christian or you don't even know the Lord yet, and you're like, I have no idea what she's talking about. What is this? I want you to know that hope is the seed that grows. So if you are at the hope stage today, please don't get discouraged. This might be some things that you're hoping for. Here's hope, a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. How many have some of those right now? Be honest, okay, only half of you. I have some hopes. There's some things I'm hoping. Maybe some of your hopes are this. I hope I get married and have children someday. Maybe I hope I get a raise or a promotion or a better job, or I hope, this is one of mine, that our, our church owns a building soon. I hope that my cancer does not return. I hope that my relationship with my family gets better. Whatever your hope is, it could be something small, like I really hope I get to go on a vacation this year. I really hope, or it could be something really great. I hope to have a child one day. We can have these hopes that are in us and don't be discouraged. That's the seed that God uses to grow great faith. However, there's this waiting time. And you know what? I think the devil's playground is this waiting time. When we're waiting, when we have a hope and a promise and God has spoken something into our spirit, and now comes the wait. Now, Abraham, I probably would have in the flesh been a little discouraged at 40, right? But then he goes to 50, right? I mean, 10 more years, and we just go, boom, 10 more years. Well, I've been married 25, so what if we go 20, okay, 25 years, if I was still waiting, and then he's now 70, and he's now 80, he's now 90, and he's now 100. Now that's waiting. See, the devil loves the wait because he thinks he can take you out in the wait. He thinks he can discourage you with that couple months delay and that hope. He thinks he can discourage you by that one or two or three or four years. But can we as a church and as Christians stand in faith and say, God, God, I'm not just gonna wait and just kind of be all like, we'll see, and we'll see. No, that we can stand like Abraham did, 
fully confident what God was going to do. See, I think about Abraham, and sometimes we read about people in the Bible, and we're like, they're just like these not real creatures, you know? But Abraham was a real man. And, you know, you think about this. He hoped to have a son one day. He hoped to have a child. He hoped in the natural And yet he had to wait and trust God. And he promised. He trusted in the promise of God. I love this verse, Hebrews 11. Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to require the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. There's some unseen things in our life. But see, faith brings hope into reality. It starts with hope, but it takes faith to move it in to reality. Faith is that thing. You know, uh, years ago, um, I had a friend. This is like, honestly, I don't even know if I had any kids yet. It was in our first little apartment. And someone came to church one day and handed me the randomest thing in the world. Um, It was a little baggie of what looked like kind of just like dough, but kind of like raw dough, kind of like liquidy dough. And I was like, thanks. (laughs) Awesome. First of all, I don't really cook any. Like, what's going on here? I don't know. Is this like Play-Doh? Is this a science experiment? Like what? And they're like, this is Amish bread. And I was like, what's Amish bread? And they said, it's friendship bread. And how this works is, um, there is, they give you a starter bag, and it's this literally fermented dough that they give you in this little baggie. Has anybody heard of Amish bread? Yeah, okay. So it's this like little baggie of fermented dough, and that's the starter for Amish bread. So she brings me, I said, I have no idea like what in the world. This is kind of like weird to me. So she brought me that week, a loaf of Amish bread, and it was absolutely delicious. I mean, I was like, okay, done. So how does that work again? So what you do is you take this baggie of fermented dough, you add fresh ingredients into it, and then you take two, ba- two portions out, two small portions, you mix all together, take two small portions out, one is to give to a friend, and one is to seed into your next batch of Amish bread right? So here you think about this, that little baggie is a baggie full of possibility, like full of potential. It sat on my counter for a few days because I was like, I just, I don't know. I don't really do that kind of stuff. But when she gave it to me and I was like, that was really good. I was like, okay, send me the recipe. Like, I want to figure it out. Like, I want to do it. But see, if I would not have added some fresh ingredients into that and done something with that little bag of possibility and that little bag of hope, Nothing would happen. It would have sit on my counter. See, that's what hope is like. God gives you hope as a starter. But guess what, church? We have to add some things into that starter to move from hope into faith. Because faith is the foundation that moves hope into reality. So this morning, God wants to stir not only hope, but he wants you to move. Some of you who don't have hope are going to get hope today. Some of you who have some hopes, but don't have faith, God's going to move you from hope and move you into faith. So this is the waiting time. Don't you get discouraged. Don't you get discouraged. There's something you're praying for. Don't you get discouraged. Number two, our faith cannot falter when presented with the facts. Here's where this passage really got me. In spite of being nearly 100 years old, when the promise of having a son was made, his faith was so strong that it could not be undermined by the fact that he and Sarah were incapable, it says, of conceiving a child. Can your faith be undermined by some facts? What facts are actually superseding your faith? And your facts right now are louder than your faith. The facts for them was this, 
it was impossible for Abraham to have a son. Why? Because he was 100 years old and he was impotent. Because Sarah was 90 years old and she was barren. Because, what is your because this morning? What are your facts that you say, actually, that could never happen? Because, because, the enemy throws this big resounding because, and all of a sudden those facts start screaming, but Abraham had a key. Do you know what was his key? Is that his faith was not in his circumstances. His faith was in the promise of God. He didn't know how that promise was going to happen. I imagine when he got that promise, he didn't picture him being a 100-year-old father. He pictured him being, like, younger. See, sometimes we get a picture of what that promise is going to look like, a picture of what that hope looks like, and when it doesn't turn out that way, we get discouraged, and we walk around like Eeyore, just like, well, it's probably going to rain today. It always happens. And we walk around with discouragement, and God's showing us through Abraham what it is like to say, in the midst of your facts, I'm going to have faith, because guess what? My faith is not in the outcome. My faith is in the God. My faith is in God's promise. It might look different. It might sound different. It might appear different. It, not, it might be not my timing. It not be, but God is working, and my faith is in the God of the universe. My faith is in the King of Kings. My faith is in the Lord that he is going to work this out we have to be anchored to something. We can't be anchored to the outcome we're hoping for. I don't want to be anchored to like, this is what's going to happen. I already have it figured out because I'm not God. God surprises us sometimes and it's hard. I want to say this, misdirected faith leads to sickness in our hearts. We have a lot of sick Christians sometimes. Sick people that walk around with just sadness, sickness in their hearts. I think that there's that scripture that says, delayed hope makes the heart sick but fulfilled desire is a tree of life. What is your faith in? Because if your hope and your faith is in a circumstance, an outcome, exactly how in your mind you see it, you might be walking around with some sickness in your heart, and God today wants to shift your faith to the God that never fails. He never makes mistakes. He always comes through. His promises are true. He is good. You can trust in God. Put your faith in that. I heard a quote this week uh, that uh, Tasha brought it to our team. It's from Stephen Furtick. It says, when God doesn't meet your expectations, maybe it's because he wants to exceed them. So often in my life when God says no and I'm so like bummed out about it, God has something greater on the other side. And yeah, he says no to that door, but there's a window that is opening that is going to open into greater realms. And that's what I believe right now. Do not get discouraged in the no. Think about the man in the Bible who Peter was walking by and he's like, please give me some coins. See, that man was thinking about today. How often is that us? He's thinking, what am I going to have for dinner? What am I going to have for, if it's a man, what am I going to have to eat? Always. At least my boy right now, that's all I'm thinking about. Every time he sees me, the first thing is, what's for dinner? What do we eat? What's going on? But literally, that's all that man was thinking about was today. I need coins for today. And you know what? Peter says, silver and gold have I none. He got to know. That man was asking for something. He got to know why. Because God had something greater for him. God had a healing for him. God had something. Maybe God's saying no to your circumstances because he is doing something internally in you that literally you will thank him for later. He'll say, thank you, Jesus, because I needed to go through something to 
for something to be produced in my life and my heart, and I wouldn't trade it. Do you know what I think is some of my greatest blessings in life are that my journey hasn't always been easy. I, I say thank you to the Lord more now than ever. At 46 years old, there's been some hard times. There's been some mountaintops, but you know why I say thank you, Lord? Because you know how Doug and I minister? We minister out of the hard times. We minister out of the valleys when we have to stand faith and we have to look at another church planner and say, you can do it, don't lose faith. God has a plan. Why can we go there? Because we've had to walk through it. So I count that as a blessing, that it just wasn't a cakewalk, that we had to go through 23 million locations, that we had to stand in faith. When I was like, oh my word. I remember one day I was in my bedroom and I got more bad news. Like, oh, that building, they have to put a sewer in, it's gonna cost 90, we can't do that, like it's a deal killer. I was so discouraged because we had drawn plans for that building. We had architects written plans. I fell out on my floor in my bedroom. I locked the door because I was like, my kids will be like, what is going on with her? I was like prostrate before the Lord. Well, you know what? That building was not anything compared to what God had for us here. And I believe that right now, those are some of the things that we have to lay down and say, God, you might have something greater on the other side. So here I go. I take a knee. I surrender to your will because you have something even greater on the other side. Number three, Abraham's faith grew as he gave glory to God. As he gave glory. It says, in fact, his faith grew as he gave glory to God because he was confident that God could deliver. You know, here are keys. How do you grow your faith? I'm just going to go ahead and take that out because it's just bugging me. Excuse me for that. Let go of control and trust. How many control freaks do we got? Good. Good company. I like to control. I like to plan. I like to know this is how it's going to go out. This is what's going to happen in 2019. This is what's going to happen in 2020. I got it kind of figured out, right? But guess what? To have faith, we have to let go of control and we have to trust because trust is the daily choice that leads us into faith. When we get a no, when we get something that bumps us, we have to say, God, I trust you. You know what you're doing. I trust the author of the universe, the universe, the one who writes my story. I trust you. I don't understand the ending to chapter three. I don't understand the ending to chapter six, but I know this. There's a chapter seven. There's a chapter eight. And God, you know the end from the beginning. So I trust you, Lord. That's how we grow our faith. Another way to grow our faith is we worship it says he gave glory to God. How do you give glory to God? You trust, and you know what else you do? You worship. You know, this week, I'll be honest, I got some news I was just bummed about, and I had this weird moment. I'm sitting at my desk at home, and literally got off the phone, and I was this close to just bursting into tears and giving myself a pity party, right? Just being like, what? And I literally saw these two paths in front of me, two paths, and one was a path of faith, and one was a path that the enemy wanted me to go down. And I was like, okay. I literally got off the phone. I'm talking out loud in my bedroom, which is where my desk is. I'm like, okay, what are we going to do here, Donna Lassett? What are we going to do? And I made a choice, and I walked out of my bedroom, and I said, I'm going to go to my piano, and I'm going to start to worship. And I began to sing a song, I will trust in you, Lord. I will trust in you, Lord. Your promise never fails. 
Your goodness never ends. I will trust in you. And as I began to worship and began to say, God, I trust you. I worship. I will worship you, Lord. My faith is put on you, Lord. Your promise never fails. Your goodness never ends. I will worship you. What would happen if in moments when we get bad news, or we're discouraged, or the enemy wakes you up with all the reminders of the things that haven't happened. What if you say, no, here's my choice. Here's my choice. Here's my choice. Let me be as Abraham. Let me not walk around and be like, I'm down, I'm discouraged. No, let me stand in faith and say, I'm a worshiper. I will be like a worshiper. I will be like David that the moment his child passed away, he went into the house of God and he began to worship the Lord. What if we began to have that kind of faith that says, I will worship, I will trust. My confidence, it says his confidence was so much in God. That's what gave glory to the Lord. We bring glory to God when we say, beyond the circumstances, Lord, I worship you. I trust you. I don't understand all the time, but I trust you. Number four, faith is our inheritance. So this is why, you see, God saw his faith and counted him as righteous. This is how he became right with God. We don't become right with God by being a success, by getting through life and checking off all the boxes. We become right with God when our heart position moves into a position of faith. In fact, it says in the word that it is impossible to please God without faith. Faith is what makes it possible to please God. It's faith. You know, I shared last time I preached about um, what was on the other side of my yes. And recently I was at uh, someone's house and they were sharing their testimony again. It reminded me of that message when what is on the other side of your yes when you surrender to God and you say yes to your will. What is on the other side of that? But you know what I was thinking is, as I was preaching that day, the context was on the other side of my yes to move to Denver was you all. I'm so thankful that I said yes when I couldn't see you, it was unseen. And there was a lot of surrender in that moment. But you know what hit me this week is, do you know what my real inheritance is? What was credited to Abraham was not all the things that he did. What was credited to him was his faith. And what hit me this week is, do you know what my credit is? It's the faith that God has produced in me this last nine years. It is the faith. It is not even you as a beautiful congregation. My inheritance is the faith that God, what God has done in my life, that is what's credit to me. So it's the faith. Is there something with my mic? Is that me? Oh, it's my, oh, my earring. Okay, let's just deal. What's going on? Abraham walked through this journey like many of us, like many of us walking through that journey and saying, Jesus, am I, what is my focus on? Is my focus on the prize? Is my focus on what I'm asking for, what I'm believing for? Or is it God, am I saying, Jesus, what I really want? What I really want is to be a woman of faith. What I really want is to be able to walk through this life and say, I lived by faith. I had some good times, I had some hard times, but I chose to live by faith. Number five, our faith is the foundation for the next generation's faith. And I wanna close with this, because it says, it was credited to Abraham, it wasn't recorded for him and for him alone, but was written for all of us who would one day be credited for having faith. I wanna challenge you this, 
that, that literally it's not just your faith at stake, it's your child's faith at stake. It's your neighbor's faith at stake. It's your coworker's faith at stake. Because you know what? I want to say this. Your faith is contagious. Your faith is contagious. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 5 to 9, it says, And this is no empty hope, for God himself is the one who has prepared us for this wonderful destiny. And to confirm this promise, he has given us the Holy Spirit. I love this analogy. Like an engagement ring. Like a promise. Like you're not married yet, but I have a promise. It's a guarantee. That is why we are always full of courage. Even while we're at home in the body, we're homesick to be with the master. For we live by faith. This is Bible. We live by faith and not by what we see with our eyes. Definition of courage is mental or moral strength to venture or persevere and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. I also read this quote by Billy Graham this week, and I love it. It says, courage is contagious. When a brave man takes a stand, the spine of others are stiffened. You know what a spine does? It holds everything together. A spine is the thing that keeps your nerves and your whole body and allows you to move in different ways. So when we have courage and we walk through life in the midst of struggles and battles and even some disappointments and we say, my faith is in God. I have courage today to walk forward, to stand strong in faith. Something happens. It's not just your faith that gets affected. All of a sudden, someone next to them is like, well, maybe I can have some courage for what I'm facing. Maybe I can have some faith for what I am believing God for. Courage, courage. Psalms 27. Here's what I've learned through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. Be brave and courageous and never lose hope. Yes, keep on waiting for he will never disappoint you. He will never. What story is being written about your faith today? If someone was around your life for a week, listening to your conversations at home, with your friends, with your spouse, with your children, with your coworkers, what story would be written about your faith? Would those people hear all the becauses? Or would they hear a story of faith that begins to give them courage to walk into their season and their difficulty and their struggle? But it takes courage. Do you know what it takes a lot of courage? It takes courage to surrender to God's will. That takes almost more courage than anything. To say, God, I am standing in faith right now, but I'm going to have the courage to say, Jesus, not my will, but yours. But yours. Fully surrender to Jesus. But it's not one or the other. You don't just surrender and play dead and be like, whatever happens, happens. No. We stand like Abraham in faith with courage and see what God does. I want you to just close your eyes with me right now in the presence of the Lord. I feel like God is restoring some 